0: Love Talk Radio. with Tech Express O Cafe and Blog Talk Radio. We're so excited today uh, on this beautiful Sunday here in Atlanta. We're broadcasting, and I've got two great uh, guests on my show today. One is Mike Williams, and then another familiar, I'll call her my co-host today, is Felicia Jones, and you know Felicia. She's the president of the Atlanta chapter of Atlanta BDPA. And Mike is joining us today, and and we're so excited to have him. He's actually going to be a participant in the upcoming Executive IT Forum that's being hosted by Atlanta BDPA, one of our premier events that's coming up in July. So we're really excited. You're getting kind of a preview, just a a snippet of that conversation with uh, Mike Williams as well as other panelists. But uh, we get to fill this full hour and we're just going unscripted, and just going to ask questions. So Mike doesn't know what my questions are going to be, and I don't know what his answers are going to be. Um, but we're really, we're really excited. And we're going to touch upon a lot of different things about his success and his career in IT, uh, his participation and commitment to to BDPA, uh, and his support of the BDPA, and just just an all-around really good person who's had success in his career um, and is always giving back and reaching out to others. So you kind of get the insight to the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Williams. (laughs) Hi, Mike.
1: Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, everyone else. Uh, What an introduction. I'm still uh, (laughs) blessed right now.
0: Uh, I was- that's what I was going for <laughs> to surprise you a little bit. You just never know <laughs> but uh, and Felicia, how
2: are you this morning? I am doing wonderful this lovely Sunday afternoon, as you mentioned here in Atlanta so uh I'm excited about today's uh show, of course, already knowing Mike, but i th- I'm more excited about everyone else out there who's listening to get to know about Mike and all the wonderful stuff that he does and bring to the table. Awesome, awesome.
0: So let's just jump right in. And and Mike, kind of talk people through some of the highlights uh, from your perspective of your career and what's led you to where you are today and, and being a participant on our Executive IT Forum.
1: Actually, it's a good, very good question, and I would say probably the highlight of my career is, is really the opportunity I had outside of IT. So some of the assignments in M&A, uh we had a chance to kind of teach at UPS corporate schools where we taught over 500 director-level folks, management and business skills. But to me always the highlight is really the people, what I call it the legacy you leave behind, it's just helping those people, you know, become the supervisors, become managers, and managers become directors and so forth. And that's really the highlight because when you look back on that and, and the folks you were able to help along the way, because I, I just don't believe, and I still to this day don't believe that you get anywhere by yourself. There's always a supporting path. So it's always good to kind of reach back and, and bring those folks along. So when I look at my career, it's really about looking back at the people that I helped you know, get to that next level, which we talk about a lot, and that's something that I'm passionate about. So, you know, I've been able to do a lot of things, and in a lot of cases at very young age. Um, but, you know, the highlight of my career is, is really about not only just me progressing but also helping others that have worked on my teams or basically that were peers of mine help them grow, and, and that's always going to be the highlight for me. That That is awesome, and, and you
0: know, to, to me, you know, that, that speaks volumes because it, it's almost like you measure your success based on the success of those that you've helped, you know, not just, just making it personal. And and that that's awesome. And, and that probably, uh, you know, to some extent, let's talk about BDPA and when you discovered BDPA and, and your involvement and commitment to BDPA.
1: Sure. Actually, I discovered BDPA back when I lived in New Jersey. Uh, I was a member originally. can't remember the year, but it was some time ago, and I would say the late 90s or so. And, you know, I got invited to a meeting. I went. Uh, it was by a co of mine. So we went to Newark, and we sat in one of the meetings, and I became a member there. And, you know, for a while, the the chapter was strong, and then after a while, you know, it was one of those chapters that kind of, you know, kind of waded off a little bit, but, you know, it it went back to being a strong chapter again. And then when I moved to Atlanta, I kind of stayed away from just getting involved in any networking or community service type stuff because that was what I did when I was in Jersey. I always called it my second job. So I waited a while, and then, you know, after I moved to Atlanta in 2006, I decided, I I think it was 2009 or so. I know um, there was just a new transition with uh, the BDPA presidency, and it was changing over. And at that time, I just saw I was sitting in a room. We were at, um, I forget, uh, one of the places here. uh the macquarium i think it uh, Mc, i think it's the macquarium i think it is but not sure of the name but we were sitting in the auditorium and it was just so many people in that room and you know teresa was you know just becoming the president and it was just so many people in that room and then just her excitement in terms of what she wanted to do with BDPA and then just talking to the folks in that room so i joined then and got involved with BDPA once again. And ever since then, I've had involvement, but more so recently uh, when a team that's in place today, and I always like to talk about you folks because uh very proud of what you guys have done, and you guys should really be proud of yourself. But Felicia Jones and her team, which includes Jacqueline as well, they've done a phenomenal job in terms of, Re kind of rebranded rebranding and recasting the d d p a of Atlanta and just their overall energy and their commitment to building that chapter up I mean that's what really made me really want to get involved and help out where I can and lend just my small bit of expertise. but when I look up at some of the things that are that have been done, i mean these, this team has just taken the ball and ran with it i mean it's just it's just unbelievable what you guys have done. And when I see that, it just encourages me more to, to participate. And then on a national level, you know, when you look at, you know, what we're doing at a national level and you look at what Monique Barry has done, you know, nationally, and that's a, a good story as well. And her energy and encouragement and, and then just really her focus and drive to, to make BBPA just better nationally is, is something that, you know, it's, It's contagious. So with all those things, that's what drove me to get more involved in, you know, BDPA, like I, you know, once wrote on a blog. That's what caused me to go all in, and and I'm still there. And a lot of things have changed in my life in the last couple of years, but still committed to BDPA, still committed to his mission, and still committed to the people that, you know, flow through the organization as well. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And, and and you're right. And uh being a part of the board, it, it's been a pleasure working up under uh Felicia and her energy and excitement is contagious and uh we, we really have had a great uh last year and, and this year. Um and as you know, we, we we put we poured our blood, sweat and tears and our heart and soul into some of the, the programs that we offer. And and so for the this next question, I want you to kind of speak to some of those people who maybe are still lingering on the fringes or, you know, what I find a lot of people used to be a part of BDPA, you know, a while ago, um, and they, you know, just haven't gotten back around and getting involved and and especially making that commitment to, you know, pay for their membership. What do you say to people whether they once were a member or, you know, know, another mindset is people don't really seek out BDPA until they need a job. I mean, what do you say to people, you know, just to really kind of help them understand what Atlanta BDPA is right now?
1: You know, you you, you kind of touched on something I was about to answer even before you mentioned. The, The fact is a lot of folks try to go and network, try to join organizations or go to their meetings when they've lost their job. And what I always tell folks, and I mentor a lot of folks and I sit down and talk to them, One of the first things I tell them is get involved in the organization, learn how to network, but do that long before you need a job. Because one is is for a lot of good reasons. One is growth and development. It's coaching, it's mentoring, it's basically getting educated from your peers. But at the same time, it's putting you in a place where you have a network of folks. So when you need a job, you have those, you build those connections and those relationships. By the time you lose a job, it's too late for all of that. The the other thing, too, is it's really about you knowing who you are and knowing where you want to be. We talked a lot about, you know, in one of the interviews I did and presentations I did for BDHPA uh, a while ago was about the turning point. You've got to really look at your career and, and, and just really look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, am I where I want to be? And if not, where is it that I want to be? And then what needs to be done to get there? And I think with a lot of the programs and, and, and a lot of the, the programs that BDPA is doing, a lot of folks they're bringing in in terms of doing presentations and workshops, those are the types of things that can get you there. Things related to project management, talking about technology. You know, there's presentations that was on cloud. I mean, if, you have, if you've been on the rock somewhere, that's one of the biggest things out there mobility. Another big thing out there, you talked about analytics, but it's really about developing yourself. No one ever gets to a a point where they know everything. And like I always say is we all know a lot, but we don't know everything. So it's a matter of keeping developing yourself, keep growing, keep learning. And when you join an organization like BDPA, that's what you do. So if you're sitting on the sidelines trying to figure it out, I think the decision has to be made now. Join BDPA You have people like Felicia, you have people like myself willing to talk to you and help you in any way, but when you just sit on the sidelines and you're still deciding, usually every day goes by, you're just making that day too late. So it's really about you growing and developing your skill sets, you trying to figure out what are the the tools that you need to get to that next level, and then just setting that roadmap as, as to how you actually get there. And within BDPA, all the programs, all the people can actually help you get there. But you've got to be committed. And like I always say, it's, it's really the DCE. It's, it's three things. You've got to decide that you want to be a part of BDPA, that you've got to decide that you want to grow and develop. Then you have to make the commitment to doing exactly that. And then just execute. So decide you want to be a part of BDPA, commit to BDPA, and then just execute and attend meetings uh attend those those uh, workshops that can help you grow, and I think you'll see the benefit and, and and i know in in the in the years I've been involved, I've seen the benefit of've other people grow, but I've also grown from you know other people as well, and that's really what it's all about absolutely absolutely
0: well well said of course <laughs> that goes without saying but but really appreciate you touching on those those points um. Talk to us about because like you said and, and I think that you know, our events, whether it's our regular networking events but also our upcoming executive IT forum, you know, one of the things I emphasize is that people can come out, they can meet people like yourself and you guys are all everyone on the panel last year are approachable, down to earth, you know, you will take any any question and that type of thing. So I just want to put that plug in is, is when you're hearing Mike speak here or listening to the rebroadcast, come out and meet him on in, in person. And, Felicia, would you just jump in and just give us some dates and times real quick for people who are listening to this first half of the show of uh, how people can meet Mike in person?
2: Well, um, they can meet Mike and other senior level executives at the annual IT Minority Executive Forum that's going to be on July the 11th at the Crown Plaza, Ravinia, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And this is a great opportunity, as you stated, Jacqueline, for them to meet these uh, executives who are in. Fortune 500 companies or who are entrepreneurs have started their businesses themselves and grown it from the bottom all the way to the top. This is a great opportunity to learn how uh, they went through to achieve to the certain levels that they are uh, through their uh, commitment um, to themselves and to their actual professional career. But this this is a great way for you to get out there to meet them and also is a great way for you to give back to the community itself by helping us to raise money to send our high school students to the National BDPA Conference in Washington, D.C., from August the 14th through the 17th, to go and compete with other high school um, teams from the other um, chapters throughout BDPA to showcase the web-based application skills that they've learned for the past six months. So two two great things that you can do that night on July the 11th. Come out and, of course, uh, educate yourself and grow yourself, and then, of course, give back to the community um, by attending
1: uh, the event itself. So the tickets are
2: only hey, $75. Go ahead, Mike.
1: Hey, Jacqueline, if I may, I actually want to talk about the event, but I want to talk about it in a different way. When you sure. look at, you know, Felicia, uh, Felicia talked about some of the points, but I want to I want to put a different spin on it. So when you look at the people that are attending, one of the things for me, I'm going to be participating as a panelist, but really I'm looking forward to it because of the folks that are involved. One person in particular, uh, David Stewart, who started this company, Worldwide Technologies, and like Felicia says, from the bottom to the top, went from, you know, a couple of dollars to a $5 billion a year in revenue company. He's an African-American person. To me, that's history. So when you talk about, you know, learning from the folks who started something and built it up, the folks that network, I mean, I'm more interested in talk and listening to what he has to say, talking and meeting him, when people talk about even the cost of $75. To me, that's our Warren Buffett right there. I want to know how he did the things he did in order to move his company in the direction that he moved his company in. I mean, because that doesn't happen. How many African Americans you know that run that started, not just run, because you got some African American executives, but that actually started, co-founded a company, and grew it to a multi-billion-dollar company? There's not too many of them around. So when you start talking about being educated, trying to understand how to grow, how to learn, you always want to do that from people that have actually done it. So when I sit up on a panel, I'm going to always be in awe of just this person because I think it's something that we all can learn. Uh, He's the person that we all can learn from, certainly everyone in the audience and even the panelists that are sitting up there because it's not too many people that look like us that actually have started and grew a business to a $5 billion in revenue business. So if you don't go for anything else, that's something you need to go for, because I'm sure, just like me and the others, you're going to learn a lot. And I think the message that he's going to actually present and forward to a lot of folks is going to be something that you can you can hold on to and use for for years to come.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that that's a key point that even you're looking to learn and, and get something out of it, you're still uh, developing yourself and looking for those little tidbits and nuggets to, to continue to grow. And it's like if you're still seeking out that, that type of knowledge and can get something out of this event – Definitely, all the rest of us can, you know, um, not only just from you directly, but also, like you said, to, to from the other panelists. So, and a great point about this kind of being, you know, history. You get to meet a living legend, so to speak. You know, um, yep. in the industry, not not everyone in our our uh, community has to be whether it's in the music or entertainment or basketball. I mean, this is someone um, through, you know. It, right here in the IT industry, something very tangible uh, has developed, something and is, is proving uh, successful. So, awesome points, just just definitely awesome points. Um, and and it was kind of the the down the road that I was going to go. Um, and, and so let me ask you about this. The event is r- talking about breaking the glass ceiling. What does that mean to you? And and what are your thoughts about the, the concept of a
1: glass ceiling? Yeah, that, that's always an interesting question for me. Uh, I, I, I will first say I was one of the ones, and, and I'm probably one of the rare people, especially African-Americans, that had, I've had opportunities where all my managers were, uh, they weren't African-Americans, they were Caucasian, and but all of them have, have given me an opportunity. And I I was always one of the people who was very candid. And when I was younger, in terms of just, you know, I had an attitude, knew everything. And then, you know, they taught me that I didn't know everything. And they coached and mentored me. And they didn't look like me. So I was one of the, you know, one of the people that had opportunities that were provided to me by people that didn't look like me. So but when you start talking about the glass ceiling, I mean, you always have challenges there, even though they coached and mentored me yeah, you know, I always found myself having to, to really do things better or twice as good. Uh, I always had to be more prepared than the next person. Uh, but you really, when you look at your, your, your everyday life, it, it, no matter what field you're in or what you're doing, I mean, those principles should be followed no matter what. You should always be the most prepared. You should always want to be better than the person sitting next to you, and that should drive you no matter who's watching but there are challenges and a lot of the challenges are really about the politics of of the job. And I can tell you the higher you go the the more the politics are. And that's one of the things that some of us just haven't been able to to kind of deal with. But one of the things I always say is make yourself valuable. And and what I mean is you got to make yourself uh really get to a point where you're not expendable, where you do a job so well that no matter what goes on or how candid you may be, if they don't like it, they can at least tolerate it because you're providing value. If you're not providing value and you're just one of those people with an attitude, then that's always going to be a challenge. Because if you're not providing value and you have an attitude, then then you're basically expendable. So those are some of the things. But when it comes to the glass ceiling, the challenges you're going to have is in some cases, uh, because you don't look like a certain person. But a lot of it is from what at least in my career, is really I just been always been in a position where I had to do things better than get at the next person to prove uh that I was worthy. And that was always a challenge and, and me I went a long time. I moved up in my career, got to very high levels and, and, and I guess I'm one of the exceptions. But I moved up to my career moved up within my career and got to a high level where I didn't have a college degree, so when you think about me not having a college degree, was very candid. So you know, one of my mentors told me, was "like, well, you got to be doing something right because all those things just don't add up after a while." And you know, after a while, you just got to believe that. So I always just work my butt off and, and, and always be try to be just as prepared or, or or more prepared than the next person, because I always said I'm not going to be the you know, in some cases, I'm not going to be the smartest person in the room. But I'm going to always be prepared, and I'm always going to be ready in terms of the things I need to do. And I think if you do that, you'll hit roadblocks along the way. But if you do that, you'll be prepared to kind of uh, confront them, and in a lot of cases, go around them as well. I just don't think – I think the glass ceiling still exists, but a lot of companies have moved to uh, diversify, and and that's for a lot of good reasons, uh, to their benefit. Um, but at the same time it still exists in a lot of a lot of companies and then within a lot of people too. Um, but I just in my career I just haven't seen much of it. The what I've seen from a glass ceiling standpoint is that we've always tried to we gotta do more, we gotta be better, and then you get to a point where there's always gonna be a role that you felt you should have and a person that was doing less than you will get it. And that and that's always gonna be the case, but you've got to be patient and you just got to keep at it as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and while we're talking about, you know, uh, it it sounds like you were mentored throughout your career and and maybe you uh, sought out people and asked them to be your your mentors or your coaches. I want to talk about that for a minute because um we do see people who come to the B D P A meetings and events and from time to time they're they're looking for mentors and coaches. And I wanted maybe you to talk about maybe how you even maybe sought out people to mentor or coach you or maybe it was something in you that made them seek you out. But also talk to people about making sure that they're coachable. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever encountered where people have approached you and wanted you to coach them and maybe they didn't really they, they really didn't know what it took to be coachable, so to speak. Did, can you speak on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, when it comes to, to mentors uh, when I started, you know, again at UPS, the 17, 18 year old kid you know, going in, getting his first job, and, you know, it was like we all do. At that age, we know everything. So I wasn't any different from the other 17, 18-year-olds. So we went in uh, and sat down with a person named Ed Dolzinski and we called him Ed Z. And I worked for Ed. He gave me a first job. He was the one that actually promoted me to a supervisor from an operator. In fact, he came in on his vacation Uh, just to make sure that the promotion went through Um, because there was an opportunity early on that I had to get promoted. Uh, He actually helped me back, and he helped me back because they didn't have anyone in the operations, and at least what he forwards that was as good as I was, and they thought it would be a risk to let me go. But he said once the opportunity came up again, we'll figure it out. So the opportunity came up again a year later, and he true to his word, he figured it out, came in on his vacation, made sure that the promotion went through, So from that point on, he was always a mentor. So I always went down to Ed even when I moved to different roles outside of his organization and talked to him about different things. Ironically, when I went on an assignment later on in my career and I worked at UPS Corporate Schools, ironically, when I came back into IT, I was working for Ed again. So the, the, the point there is you never know who you may work for. So it's always good to maintain those relationships. So you know that was just a, uh, a learning lesson for me, uh, and it, it was it was a true lesson because you never you never will know who you may work for who you may meet again in your career. So you have to make sure you you establish those relationships and you do that networking. So Ed was Ed Z was one. Uh, most of my other mentors are friends that you know I've talked to and met over over the years. Uh, one particular person, actually, he was a panelist. Um, at last year's uh, Black uh, IT uh, Forum, and his name is uh, Darius Jackson, who's uh, my best friend. But he serves as a mentor as I do to him. But a lot of times, when I'm thinking about things or looking to do certain things, I call Darius and get his advice and his outlook on, in terms of you know what he thinks and, and, and what he thinks may or may not happen. So, and then the other folks are just people that I meet, meet along the way that I feel have uh, something co- to contribute that can kind of help me develop skills that on am And then also when I look at people who have something from a skill set that I don't have that they're really good at, that I get drawn to that because I'm always looking for something to kind of improve myself, improve my personal and professional skill sets. So when I find those people, I kind of stick to them. And, you know, that's usually how I find mentors. It, it's really about identifying folks who aren't like you, but in the same way they are like you, meaning that they have very different skill sets, but ultimately your your uh, your vision, your passions, your commitments are ultimately the same. So that's how I actually identify mentors. And then for the last part of your question when you start talking about the people that are reluctant to have mentors, I run into those folks a lot in terms of, you know, sometimes they want to talk to you and they don't know how to start. So a lot of times all I do is say, here's my number. Uh, If you want to talk, let's do lunch. So a lot of times it always starts with a lunch because you take them out of the office, you take them uh, off of a phone call, and then it's just you take them in an environment where it's a, a comfortable environment where both of you guys can speak openly. In, in a lot of cases, most of my mentees are, believe it or not, I have a lot of mentees. You guys may hear my daughter in the background waking up here, but a lot of my mentees, yeah, she's waking up, mad. But a lot of my mentees are, you know, most of them are women, believe it or not, uh, and then I have several men. Um, but a lot of it is about, you know, how did you get to where you were going? How did you network? Uh, Who are some of your mentors? So a lot of the questions that are covered here, a lot of my mentees kind of have the same questions for me. And what I try to help them do is just identify where they have opportunities to grow and then work with them on, you know, growing those areas where they're weak at. So it's always, but I also learn, you know, mentoring other people, you always learn more about yourself as well. Um, I learn a lot of things about myself in terms of the things that I thought I knew (laughs) I may not know because... In some cases, the mentee knows more about a subject or a topic uh, than I know, so I I learn as well. So it's always good to meet new people, work with new people, uh, and I mentor a whole lot of folks. It's just that I'm always open, and sometimes I I wouldn't say overcommit, but at some point it's like I got to sit down. It's like okay, how do I keep up with this? But it's just something I'm passionate about, so it's hard for me to say no sometimes as well.
2: Exactly. And Exactly. exactly. And and Jacqueline, I I wanted to jump in on that. I am actually one of um Mike's mentees and he does an awesome job. Uh whenever I call or text or need him for anything, email, whatever way I'm trying to communicate, he always gets back to me. Um and the past year and a half with um Mike's guidance, um, I was able to um go out there and create the Next Level Technology Foundation, which is the educational arm for BDPA. And it's actually Next Level that's putting on this uh, Minority IT Forum in support of the BDPA HSCC program. But Mike, he provided that guidance. He mentored me through that whole process, and not just for the Next Level, but also with uh, BDPA, the Atlanta chapter you know, with some of the uh, focus that we were doing in the past year, uh, along with the different programs. So he's been a great mentee itself. But the reason is uh, everything was successful the past year and a half with Mike mentoring me was with me being open, open to what he was providing, the coaching, uh, the guidance that he was giving me. I was open to it, and I acted on it. I executed what he was stating. Um, A lot of times when you have a mentee who has a mentor, the mentor gives them that advice. They're trying to guide them and tell them what to do. They don't want to put in that work. They don't want to go out there and actually uh, do what it takes to be able to successfully uh, achieve what they're trying to do. So the mentee has to be open to what the mentor is, is providing them. If not, then that's actually, you know, wasting the mentor's time, and then the mentee themselves need to look at themselves, reassess themselves, and then say, hey, am I ready for this or not? Uh, that does happen a lot. But Mike has been a wonderful um, mentor, and that's because I've been open to listen and execute on uh, the various things that he's been providing.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and it's, I, I can add my own testimony because I, I think back to, um, I knew uh, of Mike through Atlanta BDPA, but I remember... Uh, As we were transitioning and and kicking off last year, we had to have an emergency uh, board meeting with the officers, the incoming officers of Atlanta BDPA. And Mike was willing to meet with us uh, over there at Perimeter Mall. And and I I remember I didn't even have my my voice. I was hoarse. Um, And that's probably the only time I'm quiet (laughs) Uh, when it's physically not possible for me to talk. But he, he was there and, and he coached our whole team and, and kept our morale up during a, 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 big, a, a pivotal part of our transition. And I just wanted to just reiterate that my, you know, busy career. He, as you hear, he has a little one of his own, you know, a family. But he is—he's—he's he's still giving and and always willing to give. And again, another reason why to come out to this event and meet him. And if you have a, a question and a, a want to ask him for advice, he will give you the time. He will listen and, and, and he will give you the time um, at that event. And um, at the halfway point of our show already, um, I'm going to ask Felicia, would you kind of reiterate for us some of the other people that are going to be on the, the panel with Mike this year? Last year he was our moderator, but this year
2: he's going to sit in and be a participant. And who's going to be up on that panel with him? So also sharing the hot seat as to say with Mike, we're going to have Terry Wharton. She's the president and CEO of 4XR. We're going to have Michael Noel. He's the CIO of Mannheim, along with Greg Morrison, who's the CIO and senior VP at Cox Enterprise. And then we'll have Crandall Jones. He's a VP at Turner Broadcasting. So that's going to be our uh, panelists who are going to be answering any questions about breaking that glass ceiling, and our very own Derek Brown, who's the VP of Business Management for the Atlanta chapter of BDPA, and also the incoming president for 2014. He's going to be our moderator. So even just to hear Derek himself and and for him to be put into action, going through and asking these uh, wonderful panelists these various questions, that's going to be a treat in itself. And then um, at the end of the night, we're going to have the keynote speaker being uh, Dave Stewart, who is the Chairman of the Board for Worldwide Technology. So it's going to be a great program, a great program, and everyone should make sure they're a part of it by just purchasing a ticket for only $75, $75 to receive some inspiration and all of this um, wonderful knowledge from these different panelists. It's just $75, and that includes dinner. Where can you go and get this wonderful advice for just $75? $75, that's all. And those of you listening uh, out there who may be part of different companies, you can actually purchase a table for just $1,500, and there's 10 seats um, at the table. So um, support the actual local HSCC uh, students and come out and listen to Mike and the other panelists and get a lot of great information at the same time. And,
0: and, and Mike, I want to ask you, who are some of the people you'd like to see in attendance and, and, and what types of things that you think that uh, you can they can get out of it? It, it was very interesting. We were uh, promoting the event recently, and someone said, well, I'm really happy with my job right where I am. I don't want to move up. I don't want to be in management. Um, and, and that's okay. Maybe some people, not everyone's a expiring for that, you know, corner office or that executive title. But what could they even get out of this event? What, what are your thoughts, Mike?
1: Yeah, that's always a, a tough one because, you know, you're going to have some of those soldiers or what I call uh, enablers where they just want to be heads down in their, whether it's their cube or their office just doing work that they're assigned. And you can always have those in fact you need those because everybody can't be a chief. Uh, but at the same time, you know, at some point, you know, someone has to be willing to grow. If they're not, then maybe, you, quite frankly, this isn't an event for them. But those folks who are looking to to grow and develop, even if you want to stay in your same role, I mean, I, I think that's the key. It's not so much that you want to move and, and take up more responsibility, but if you want to grow and develop personally and professionally,
2: I mean, I, I think
1: that's, those are the types of people that should be at this event, um, the folks who want to network, the folks who want to know more about uh, an entrepreneur who grew his company, uh, the folks who want to know about the story behind some of the, the individuals on the, the panel, uh the the panel as it relates to how they got to where they are. Because a lot of those stories are interesting enough where it kind of helps you in your job today, whether you want to move on to that next level or not. And then it's just people who are really looking to actually move on and, and get promoted and get elevated to to that next level and ultimately at some point, you know, want to become a CIO, want to become a senior VP of IT. Those are the people that need to come and, and need to be there uh, and, and really be front and center and, and really take in the knowledge and, and find an opportunity to network network with some of the panelists as well. Uh, but it's really about the folks who really want to grow and develop both personally and professionally. It doesn't matter if you're looking to take on more responsibility. The question really is about do you really want to grow personally and professionally? So a lot of soft skills and a lot of the directional things and, and, and the coaching and the advice that you'll get. Those things will help you from a personal aspect, but also from a professional aspect, and that's the, those are the types of people that should really be at the event and really be center. Excellent, excellent. Um, and
0: my and, and next question is along the lines of: so, uh, people, you know, you see this uh, panel of very accomplished uh, minorities. Uh, from a, a variety of points of view, you know, we always try to make sure that the the, the panel is mixed with people who've had different journeys and, and experiences. Let me ask you, because, uh, like I said, last year you participated in the, the forum as our moderator, what do you think is the biggest misconception of people who do aspire to that, that corner office? I, I once had someone uh, approach me and uh, I said, well, where do you see yourself in the next five years and and again, this is someone straight out of college and they already were talking about I want to be CIO and and then I uh went to explore it's said, CIO of what? And they kinda of shrugged their shoulders. So I was like, Okay, well you keep working on that <laughs> you know, I I like that enthusiasm, but what do you think is maybe some of the misconceptions uh about the um the, the corner office?
1: Misconceptions about the CIO role or misconceptions about aspiring to be a CIO?
0: Just some misconceptions, and not just the CIO role itself, but just as you, people who are aspiring and think that they want to be an executive and move up in a a company, um, do you think sometimes that they may not understand exactly what the role entails?
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I think the biggest misconception is that folks think because you move up, it gets easier, and it doesn't. When you start, I I mentioned earlier, the politics as you move on in your career and you move up, the politics of the office just gets kind of just gets exacerbated. Exacerbated. It's it's it's, when you kind of look at the politics of the office. Whatever it is at the lower levels, it's, you can take that in, in times it times 20 uh, because everything is ha- what you say and how you do things, how you respond to emails and all those different things where you just sit there and, and you don't think about it, but it's always a thought. So the message, a lot of times it's not even a matter of doing right or wrong, it's how you deliver a message to a certain executive. So a lot of people, the biggest misconception is that it just gets easier but it doesn't. Um, And then the other thing is you wear so many hats. Uh, A lot of times people think it's just about IT, but it's also about the business aspect, how you actually help the business grow. Because if you're not doing that, then pretty much you're not doing your job. Because it's never about IT in any company. It's about the business, and IT is used as a lever to enable the business to grow and then for the business to be profitable. But that's what IT is about, because if you're not aligning... IT with the business objective, then you're wasting your time. So those things, is it, the biggest misconception is that it's just about IT. It just gets easier, um, but it doesn't. I mean, it, there's a lot of roles and a lot of hats that the CIO or the senior IT uh, executive uh, wears, and it doesn't stop, and you can get hit from all over the place, whether it's from the business uh, your business partners or from your team. Your team is actually trying to do more with less, and those are some challenges there because of budget cuts. Or your business partners still want more. They don't care about it, your budget cuts and your team trying to do more with less. So all that stuff hits you at the same time. So the misconception of just sitting up in the corner office and everything's easy, that's not happening at all. It's very untrue, but it's something you got to be very passionate about. It's something you've got to care about. And then you put yourself in a position and you prepare your, your career uh, throughout your career so that you can handle those different things because they're going to come at you. And all while those things are going on, you've got people on your team that want to be mentored, that want to be coached, that you've got to have to uh, develop because at some point someone's going to have to step in your role, so you've got to prepare them. So you've got to be able to juggle so many different things at one time. And when you start talking about audits, you start talking about security and all those other things that you've got to deal with, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. So the misconception that it's easy, that you're going to be sitting in your corner office with your feet up, I go, that's not going to happen whatsoever. So that's the thing I think people need to really understand, uh, the roles and responsibilities and then the commitment that it takes, not only to the, the commitment to your team, but to your peers, uh, to your, the executives above you, and to ultimately to your shareholders. Uh, if you're a public company, and then also to and most importantly to your clients, because without them you don't have a business. So you gotta juggle all those things. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um and, and let's let's talk about um and, and I know Felicia, you're you're you there. Welcome back. <laughs> so glad to have you. And anytime you wanna jump in, feel free. Um my, my next line of question, I was going to ask you, we, we talk about a lot in uh, BBPA meetings and um, our boot camp, we talk about branding yourself. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, what is the Mike Williams brand and, and how did you set up your brand? What were some of the things that you were important when you were setting up the image and in, in your reputation in, the, in your company and in your industry?
1: I, I, and my brand is really simple. It, my brand is I'm um, basically a change agent, you know, and, and when I say change, I'm one of those people that, you know, I always tell folks if you want to have a short conversation with me, all you have to do is start out, start it out by saying this is the way we've always done it because I'm just one of those people who who's always going to be constructively dissatisfied, meaning that something could have worked last month and I'm looking at it today to say, well, is it providing value today? If it's not, let's change it. I don't want to do something just because it was done a month ago or uh, two weeks ago or a year ago. The question always has to be, is it adding value? And I call myself a change agent because I'm willing to challenge the status quo. A lot of folks will work because they want to be well-liked, they want to be loved, but it's it's a matter, it's a balance. You, You want folks to do work, but at the same time, you want them to be happy. So a lot of times there's a balance between the two. There's going to be, and when I work with teams, it's 50-50. I tell them this, 50% of the time you're going to love me, 50% of the time you're going to hate me. But also, I may feel the same way about them as well, but it's about basically doing the right thing for your business and for your clients. So when I, you know, look at my brand, I've been able, I've had five jobs at FIS in the five years I've been there. And every situation always has been, how do you turn this, you know, the service is bad. let's turn that around. The service quality is bad here. we got some problem people here. So that's what I've been doing my whole career. Every time there's a problem, they send me to, you know, whether it was Milwaukee, whether it was Florida, and then even this role now, we combine two IT teams together, one to integrate them. We had one team that was supposed to be integrated that wasn't integrated. When I got on board, the first thing I did was integrate the one team that wasn't integrated, and then combine the two technology teams. And a lot of times it wasn't being done because someone at the low level, they were kind of dictating what what was the what was in the best interest of the clients. When really it should be the people closest to the business or the senior executive. So after all that and then put processes in place and controls in place, it's about improving that quality. And then all of a sudden when you put all those things in place and people find out that they're they're working, you know, more efficiently and they're working better, you know, then they'll all love you after that because the results are there but you've got to be willing to challenge even the folks on your team as in addition to the business partners and say, here's what we got to change. So a lot of times everybody can kind of dislike you at the same time, and you've got to be willing to accept that if you have a roadmap and a path to doing the right thing. So being a change agent, being transformational, and then also being a person that actually grows and develops a high performing team. I mean, if I talk about my brand, it's really about those three things.
0: That, that is awesome. That is awesome, and that's inspiring because I'm kind of in that change agent arena too. So um, I feel like that 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 really touched me. <laughs> I'm not alone. Like you said, there's days where nobody likes you, and it's like just believe. I've got the map here. We're going to get there. Just just stick with me a little bit longer. And um, um, but like you said, also you you've got to you got to do something that you're passionate about. And you know there's going to be highs and lows and and that types
1: of types of things that That's one of the things that I take away from what you said um yeah, and if, I, and if I, talk- I can add real quickly, if I can add real quickly, Jacqueline, one of my favorite quotes, and I always show the people this every time I take a role and I talk about my plan and what we're going to do, I always show a, a couple of quotes. One of my favorite quotes is from Colin Powell. And he basically said, you know, to be a leader, there's going to be times where you're going to piss people off. I mean, that's just how he said it. What he was saying is, is that it's not going to be a, you know, when you make decisions, you can't make a decision where everybody's going to be happy. It's just impossible. So you've got to be willing to accept that you're making this, this decision with the right conviction for the right reason. And even when you're wrong, it doesn't mean that when you make a decision you're going to always be right. Of course you're not. But even when you're wrong, you'll be willing to stand up and admit it as well. But if you have the right conviction about what you're doing and you're doing it for the right reasons, make the decision. And if you make the decision that works out, you don't have to tell anyone i told you so. It's all about this is part of your plan. But if it doesn't work out, be willing to stand up and say, you know what, made that decision that doesn't work. Be willing to change it because changing it doesn't mean that you failed. It just means you made your wrong decision, and you've got to be willing to stand up and say it. Just like you call anyone else out who made the wrong decision, you have to have that accountability. And people appreciate that. They they appreciate the candor. They appreciate you being honest in, in terms of who you are and what your capabilities are. And even when they don't like the answer, if you're honest with them, they appreciate you just being honest. So I think a lot of that from Alicia's perspective, and then just tying it back to Colin Powell's quote, is really all about, you know, your conviction in terms of what you want to do and then what your roadmap is and your set of objectives. But you got to be willing to, to, to accept the fact that not everybody's going to be happy with all the decisions you make.
0: Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: great points. And the, the next question I want to ask you, because now, you know, uh, over the years and, and, and with your, your successful career, if you could look back, and say something to twenty-year-old Mike Williams. What would you say to him back when he knew it all and you know, uh, thought, you know, thought he, uh, you know, time was on his side and on all those sorts of things? Um, what, what, some of the things that you might have said to, to a young Mike Williams? Uh,
1: first and foremost, I would have said, "Boy, you should have finished school earlier." <laughs> That's what I would have said. Uh, <laughs> I, I should have been on my horse and focused on school early. That's the first thing. Uh the the other thing is really just sitting back and listening more. Uh because the young Mike Wim was really all about, well, you know what? Yeah you, you just have all the answers. Uh moved out of my home and like, you know, just just before eighteen, so you couldn't tell me anything. I had my little apartment with a phone and just a couch. So you couldn't tell me anything at that point. Uh, and I just bought a new car. So, you know, my head was probably on slow for, for a long time. And it was just really the things that you need to, to, to know and understand. But schooling's one. I should have listened more uh, with the other one because there was a lot, you know, I learned not only just from a professional standpoint, but from a financial standpoint as well. Uh, when I got to UPS, it was really the first time, you know, you got introduced to stock and a couple other things. And I learned a lot just working there. So I would say the two things is school and then just listening more and, and, and really just paying attention to what a lot of folks were telling me. And, and luckily for me, I, I kind of caught up around 24, 25, but I missed from 18 to, to 25, I missed a lot of years of that knowledge because I was just hard-headed and I wasn't listening. Uh, and, and that's really what it comes down to. you got to recognize that the people who have been in the field, uh, and I always say, just because you're older, you don't have experience. I've I moved from that because a lot of folks think because they've been you know doing something for 25 years, they have more experience, and you always find that's not the truth. What I like is people who actually does do have experience, and they may be in the job for 25 years, but you have to figure out the difference between the two. But I like folks who are talking and saying something, and it could be just a person who's only been in the field two years. But they're saying something that makes sense, that adds value, I've learned that I, I should listen, regardless of what level they're at, whether it's a janitor or a senior executive. If they're saying something that makes sense and that can, can can contribute to your growth, what I've done is learned to listen, regardless of where it comes from. And, and I think those are really the two biggest things. And that, and that is
0: awesome. You know, listening is a invaluable skill set. That That's what I'm taking away from that at any age. Honestly, um, and, and that's one of the things. People who come out, come to the executive IT forum. You are going to, uh, first of all, you're going to leave so energized, uh, so much uh, information, wisdom, uh, and, and it's just a fun night. I mean, I, I remember from last year, we laughed. I mean, it was lighthearted, and you actually, and as Felicia mentioned, out dinner is included. And you may be sitting next to one of these people. You'll be sitting at a table, rubbing elbows, talking to them right across the dinner table, Um, and where else do you get that that opportunity? I've been to some other big events, and they're way up there on stage, and you're sitting kind of stadium style, and and there's no intimacy. But this is really a a nice, intimate evening with a a great group of people, like-minded people, energetic people, career-minded people. I I, I could go on and on and on. And um, I have really enjoyed uh, uh, this hour. I do want to give you... Just in, any parting thoughts, Mike, that you want to say to anyone um, that may be listening to this this
1: recorded episode? Yeah, I, I think if you're not a member of BDPA, I, I think now is, is, is a better time than any to, to join. Um, I actually fluctuate and, and kind of travel between here and Milwaukee, but I'm still a member of the Atlanta uh, BDPA. Uh, I enjoy the the folks who uh, basically run that chapter today. A couple of the folks are on the the call. Um, But when you start talking about some folks that aren't, Shanisha, uh, Shanisha, my sister, I call her, uh, because we have the same last name. You talk about Derek and some of the other folks. uh, You you talk about, you know, uh, know, what they're doing with the the HSCC program. I mean, it's just. I mean, the, the things that are going on in, in terms of, and I'm looking from afar. I mean, they talked about, you know, me mentoring and uh, helping them out. But the truth of the matter is some of the stuff I've seen them do, I would never been able to advise them on. I mean, they're just doing a phenomenal job, and I pay attention and go to the website, and every time I look, it's something changing, something new, and, and it's fresh. And now is a better time. And when I look at the programs that they're providing uh, and, and compare that to just two years ago, I mean, those. I mean, it, it's just like night and day. And, and I think now is, is is a better time than any to join, to, to to meet the board, to to meet the other members of the organization, and to also learn and, and grow and and get you, get developed from a, a professional and personal uh, standpoint. Uh, and that's what I would encourage anyone to do. If you haven't attended a meeting, just attend one uh, to see what it's about and and meet some of the board members, but also meet some of the members and get their thoughts on what their experience has been for them, because a lot of times the the proof is in the pudding, and sometimes you want the feedback of the members. Uh, But I think, you know, if they're like me, they'll tell you their experience has been good, especially over the last year and a half or so. And if you know, and most people that do know me know I don't tell you anything that I don't feel is truthful. So uh, if I didn't think they were were doing a good job, I wouldn't tell you that. Uh, And I wouldn't tell them that either. And... uh, the, the truth of the matter is they've, they've been doing an outstanding job, and, and that chapter has, you know, been, you know, been one of the, you know, the two best chapters in, uh, nationally, uh, and especially over the last year and a half, and, and I think they're on a path to even uh, take the top spot. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on them, but I think they can do it, and that's where their direction, uh, you know, if you look at what they've been doing, uh, directionally they're heading in the right direction. And I think you guys want to be a part of that, so I would encourage everyone to really uh, look to join BDPA. And if you're not ready to join now, at least attend the meeting.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Mike, for for all of your support and, and and for this this hour of invaluable information. And uh, I'm, I'm going to let. Uh, Felicia, take us home, and, you know, one of the things that I do want to uh, point out, and I'm sure she's going to emphasize as well, is that at this event we have some wonderful sponsors, and they're already buying their tables. So they're inviting their clients, their customers, their colleagues to, to sit at the table. Um, and so other organizations that are, and other companies that are listening to this, you can also buy a, a table and sponsor a table for this this wonderful evening and and Felicia, I'll just let you uh take it away and um and then we'll wrap up our another episode of the blog talk radio with tech expresso cafe so Felicia,
2: uh yes, uh thank you, Jacqueline, for having us on this week. I really appreciate that every uh month uh with you giving us the opportunity to talk about the wonderful events that we have going on. Um, especially the July 11th event, our second annual IT Minority Executive Forum that's happening at the Crown Plaza, Ravinia from 6 to 9 p.m. Make sure you get your ticket or a table, as Jacqueline stated. I want to go ahead and give a shout out to all of our wonderful sponsors who've already purchased a table, and that's Macy Systems and Technology, Matrix, Pyramid, Cox, and also Cisco. So I'm also gonna put Mike on the spot live here on Blog Talk Radio and challenge him to buy a table like he did last year when he was a moderator. So Mike I'm throwing that challenge out to you to purchase a table at this week uh this year's event also.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty good.
2: Yes, yeah, and that money is for the key it goes to uh for a good cause and everything but uh again, uh we do have uh other wonderful sponsors that um help and assist us throughout the year, including DeVry University, who provide a place for our students to learn. And then, of course, Technology Espresso. Um, Jacqueline does a great job with uh, partnering with us to make sure the word and information get out about um, our chapter and the wonderful events that we have coming up. So thank you so very much for your partnership and for always having us on the show, Jacqueline.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: It's a pleasure, well,
0: with that, that ends today's show, and I look forward to seeing Felicia and Mike uh, at the July 11th event as well as to all of our listeners. And don't wait to buy those tickets. It did sell out last year. Do not wait.
2: <laughs> exactly. Go, so go with to this- www.atlantabdpa.org, and you can um, actually purchase your ticket there. That's right. You might get
0: your feelings hurt showing up at the door, plan, plan for this wonderful event. Well, with that, everyone, again, thank you, and we look forward to this time next month where uh, we'll be talking about what a great time we had at the uh, event. But like I said, in the meantime, we'll see you there. Walk up to us, tell us you heard about it on Tech Expresso Cafe, Blog Talk Radio, Um, and we look forward to meeting each and every one of you. Again, thank you, Mike, and safe travels.